0: Boom, boom, a podcast about navigating life in our 30s, and we'll throw in a little bit of something that we've been enjoying listening to, reading, and watching recently. I'm Laurel Henning, a Sydney-based journalist, and the reason that we're recording this podcast a few days later than we might normally, because last time I forgot to press record. And with me is my co-host, Sasha Kelly. Sasha, tell the people about yourself. Oh, Laurel, no one would know. That's the magic of podcasting. I know, but I just, I, you know...
1: I feel. Like- if we just sound well rehearsed and like we've said these things before, then it probably is because we have, yes, said these things before. But that's all part of the mystery and the allure, which I'm <laughs> doing some rather decorative hand signals at the same time.
0: But with a few days in between, maybe we'll, mm. maybe we'll re our spontaneity. Plus the fact that I am now sort of sipping a lovely cup of tea with a little bit of sugar in, afternoon tea, rather than Ooh. usually we record this a little bit later on in the evening. So I feel like maybe our energy will be a bit different going into this record than it normally is as well. I know mine certainly will. I'm, I've got a hot
1: cup of like lemon and ginger tea um, because I've just been having one of those lovely COVID naps when (laughs) you've got nothing else to do but sleep. And so (laughs) I'm using this to pack me up after, yeah, a bit of an afternoon, um, a few afternoon um, snoozes, really.
0: (laughs) A a bit of a slumber. Well, slumber, yes. With taking those COVID naps, have you had much uh, social connection and friend-making opportunities this week? You've had a big week in Melbourne, lots of protests, an earthquake. It's been mad.
1: There's nothing like a small natural disaster to remind you that you're human and that your time on Earth is limited um, and that you might be lacking in some survival (laughs) feedback because I just clung to my bench for dear life and thought, is something wrong with my inner ear? Like I had no concept that it could be an earthquake until much later. And I've been so impressed by all these people who went and hid under tables or doorways. <laughs> I'm definitely the – we can talk about this in another um, episode, but I've had a number of occasions in my life where I've reflected on the fact that in a emergency where I am not in possession of the knowledge – I am not particularly good. I very much go into the red panic zone and make very silly decisions. An example being we had a fire alarm um, a couple of weeks ago in my apartment block and I spent far too long thinking about what I would be dressed in and then <laughs> kind of catastrophizing of like if I die is it better for me to be discovered fully dressed or escaping in my pajamas. Like, I just couldn't quite make a rational decision in the moment. And I thought, oh, this is this is probably something I need to work on as a human being. But you asked me a question. Have I had any moments of social connection? We're still in lockdown. It's been a really tough week. I think that this, I, I describe my emotional state during lockdown as waves. And I'll go through periods of it being really easy and just habitual and a routine and I've Mm. got a really good handle on it and then other weeks when um, for no other reason than I'm locked inside like I can't really understand what triggers it but um, I just find it very very difficult Mm. Um, and this has been one of those weeks but I've started a new little habit which was a joke just to myself on a Saturday night um, where I take pictures of um real estate property <laughs> on domain dot com and screenshot it and upload it to my Instagram with stupid captions and little pictures and thoughts on what I would do if I owned these ridiculously expensive homes. Um and to my surprise or I should say not to my surprise, but to my great like uh, Laurel words. What can I think of as a word? But um, Enjoyment
0: yeah, yeah surprise to an extent because it's happening through social media isn't it and I don't think you would necessarily expect to have the sort of feedback and in and connective enjoyment that you would be yeah absolutely
1: yeah actually the when you explain my own feelings to me like that it makes complete sense because I think it's like this uh, this sense of surprise but gratitude relief and um kind of like a little thrill of um, of pride that people are obviously reacting to it in a really positive way. And so it's just been a little habit that I've done on a Saturday night now. And I just get the nicest messages from friends that I haven't seen in ages, friends who live overseas, um, people just messaging saying, I've started really looking forward to these. I think a, a bit of real estate you know, real estate porn for want of a better word. Everyone loves, everyone will get amongst. (laughs) The the best of us love looking on domain.com. All of these houses are like in the $4 million plus
0: range. Yeah, do you have a threshold that you're like not going below on the prices?
1: Oh, not really. But I do have a rule that has to have multiple bedrooms. Like it can't just be like a two-bedder because there's just something there's something about really exorbitant homes that there's there's always like a cellar and then a library and then yes. his and her walk-in wardrobes. And it's like, it's got to have the amenities that are like amenities that are just a bit stupid.
0: I think once you get to like at least three bathrooms, as in bathrooms with like shower and bath facilities in them, plus let's say- at least six bedrooms then mm. you're really talking then you then then we're talking these sort of hypothetical where do all my friends go what's the party going to be like what kind of party would I throw in this space and other various questions that I've enjoyed observing on your Instagram feed over the last <laughs> few weeks and I tell you what guys this week's one if well you're not going to listen to this before it's <laughs> before it's happened but um because I'm too slow an editor but <laughs> it's going to be a tough one I know already and I blooming love a this or that um my local dress hire shop just around the corner from my flat in Marrickville shout out to Bell Street Bridal <laughs> does normally does like a weekly I think this or that between all of their like a selection of their dresses and I get very emotionally invested in which dress is gonna win <laughs> and then immediately because I always get you to guess which one's gonna gonna win and I immediately know I really like this one but no one else is going to (laughs) I know it always makes me go am I
1: incredibly unfashionable or does everyone have like very different thoughts to me about what's acceptable I know uh, whenever we whenever there's like a red carpet this or that I feel the same way when you know I'm in the 10% and everyone else is in the 90% I'm going have I veered from the majority that much that it's sticking out? Anyway, um, that's my little social. So social media, I should say, is the surprise highlight of my social connection at the moment. Laurel, what's your tip bit for us all?
0: Well, I feel like I can jump off the back of that and... In- go into what I was thinking about for for this this episode something that we've talked about a little bit with social media is normally we talk about it in terms of how it disconnects us and how being Mm -hmm. too attached to our devices is not necessarily great for our mental health and things like that especially during lockdown and yet there have been multiple things that through Instagram, for example, social media, we have both, I think, really enjoyed during this period. The way that you're talking about this part of Instagram really makes me think about how specific parts of the online environment are lovely places in which to exist. I think when Mm -hmm. Instagram is just the filtered glory feed of what people are doing, that's when it gets pretty tough. And that's exactly why I actually uh, deleted my personal Instagram feed a couple of years ago, at least, yeah, at least one year ago. But now I just have a purely book related Instagram. And I love interacting with people um, in that community. And then I've also just recently started following lots of secondhand feeds and thrifted stores and things like that. And I think that's another community in Instagram within Instagram that's really nice to sort of interact with and um, mm. explore and is more um, I find more inspirational than oh my gosh I've got to get this thing to feel this way so all that to say with the secondhand things and feeds is that this mm-hmm. month September is secondhand September so coined by Oxfam which uses September as a huge sort of Fashion industry month, it's the month that there are major fashion weeks, and sort of your your edition of Vogue for October, which comes out in September, is always huge because it has all of the next season's adverts in. Um, they use it to sort of, they co-opt it, I guess, to make people rethink about the new season and whether they could buy for one month at least anything they buy could be second-hand instead of first-hand. And then this led me to thinking about the joy of clothes swaps and how much Mm. I have enjoyed them as a way to meet new people, as a way to have people in my home, and also a way to just discover a whole new wardrobe without spending any money at all. And I'm actually sitting here in a skirt that I got from the most recent clothes swap that I went to. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Thea, if you're listening. For your skirt. <laughs> so, you, so essentially,
1: are, are, are there any clothes spots that are working that are online? This is going to be a return to normal kind of let's look forward yeah, to it kind this of is activity. This is me
0: thinking I'm in lockdown, but maybe some people aren't. And this is something I enjoyed doing just before lockdown that maybe I'll look forward to doing again. Maybe also because I haven't been near my full wardrobe in quite some months and maybe when I see it again, Mm. I'll either be so overwhelmed and in love with it or so overwhelmed and just think, I have no inclination to wear half of these things anymore. People come over and take my clothes.
1: (laughs) That's so true. There's something so joyous about when you've been on an extended holiday and you've been living out of a um, suitcase for a little while and you come back and you see all your glorious clothes and you're like, oh, look at them all. This is exactly what I want.
0: Yeah, obviously you've got to organize it in a certain way. I think a great way to do clothes swaps as well is to maybe bring lots of accessories into the game, maybe bring a load of books along. In fact, a few people I know through my book clubs were thinking of having um, a book swap just before lockdown happened, I think that would be great. If it was even purely books, I would live for that. But that's what I mean, sort of bringing people together, throwing in things, seeing the things that you maybe haven't loved for a while, get new love, and maybe you'll come together in the next round and you'll be like, oh, I took this. I liked it for a little bit, but I don't like it anymore. Put it back in. I remember doing them in Brussels, and there were there were items of clothing that went round like every clothes mm-hmm. swap, which was kind of kind of delightful. And it just got like a different owner each time. Like, is that what would that be like, sisterhood of the traveling pants or something? <laughs>
1: um, I think that's lovely, and I'm really excited about the prospect of a book or clothes or items or things swap when life resumes to normal, which it it will in the near future because. Um, our roadmaps have kind of been revealed now and it's time when
0: we can kind of get a little bit excited about what's around the corner. But in the meantime, while you've been having your relaxing Saturday, have you been watching anything lovely?
1: I have, and it has absolutely nothing to do with any sense of social connection. I just really bloody love it. And I've been watching Vigil, which is the new... I guess like in the line of bodyguard and line of
0: duty, and I think it has people on it who have worked on line of duty, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah
1: and I just think I love a whodunit. I love a murder whodunit. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a huge fan of great gore or um, violence, but there's something about a good murder mystery that I really enjoy trying to guess who did it, and it really frustrates me when I get get it wrong. So. It's also brought back into. There's a lot of shows at the moment that have brought back the gradual drop, like the Monday regular drop. Um, I
0: really like it.
1: Yeah, and it's added. I mean, again, um, at a time when you've got little highlight, you're looking for little highlights in your week to break it up. I've kind got, of gotten this habit of being like, Monday is vigil day, and Wednesday is impeachment day, and Fridays Ted Lasso day and and it's it's kind of nice to think that there's like a little treat waiting you know I feel like an older woman being like my stories I'm gonna watch my stories once I've finished work and I can have <gasps> yes! my dinner um so yeah I think that that's what I've been watching and I've just been really enjoying a great well-written story that has lots of twists and turns
0: do you feel like you've already guessed? who has done
1: it um I was there There was one big reveal last week but I feel like there's gonna be another one in the works Mm -hmm. and I have a strong sense of who I think is involved but time will tell whether I'm right or whether I'm just off the garden path
0: I think I'm probably one of the most annoying people to watch shows like that with because and this in part comes from living on my own for quite a while but I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i have a horrible habit of shouting at the television and being like well it's, it's obviously it's obviously them even if-, <laughs> if i am on my own so, it's obviously them to the rest of the room <laughs> to, to the pillows
1: and the, yeah. and the couch that's watching yeah i think um i have a really awful habit of looking up facts or, or looking up writing techniques that will help me inform it like um one really pop- one really common one is that you always show the bad guy or the person who did it in the first in the first couple of characters that you meet because mm. it builds the greatest kind of audience trust with that character. So it's a bigger reveal when you do the twist. So it's like a writing technique to not necessarily make it the first person that you meet on the scene, but um, definitely one of the one of the ones in that immediate circle. The other, which might really ruin it for people, so I really apologize, (laughs) is that Apple, a lot of products, but I know Apple specifically um, won't let the bad guy use an Apple product. Oh.
0: I've heard of this in other things before now, yes. Yeah, Yeah, so
1: there's another movie, which I won't say just in case anyone's seen it, but I watched the behind the scenes and the director actually said if you watch it, every single other character had an iPhone, but the killer. And oh. it was because Apple wouldn't sign off on them using the product, uh, you, them having the, the killer use the product. And then I think, like, I just really love looking for clues. Like, I just think it's a really and, – and thinking, like, how – from a writing perspective, how would I put that together? So I know that's super nerdy, but that's how kind of I'm approaching Vigil at the moment.
0: <laughs> and when this series finishes in however many weeks, mm. I want you to tell us whether you were – Right or wrong, I will
1: revisit this. So, what are you watching now that I've talked about my British crime thrillers?
0: Well, Sasha, considering that I just sat here here saying how much I enjoy a weekly drop of a show, Mm -hmm. last weekend I completely binge watched Sex Education, the latest season of Sex Education.
1: So good, and so good. As
0: a result, because I've binge watched it, I tell you what: if you don't want any spoilers to this, I feel like you should just skip forward five, maybe ten minutes. Five minutes. Let's try and be disciplined. It was so good. I had read a review in The Guardian that talked about Mm -hmm. how uh, the person writing the review said they felt the series has sort of lost its magic and that some of the things were a bit easily resolved between characters, like in terms of the dialogue and things like that. Now, I think there was a little bit of this, but I was so enjoying everything that was being explored. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I learned so much from this TV show that I'm very happy for things like that to be be said in that manner. And I think one one thing that really stood out to me that maybe is like that was the dialogue around one character teaching another character about chest binders and binding your chest. Mm. And the way that they explained that at the end Did almost sound like a safety announcement, but I did think if someone needs to hear that, I am so glad that someone has heard that, Um, and that's really good. But I feel like I cried at the end of every episode.
1: (laughs) I also did the same last Saturday. Saturday was my sex education day, and I sat on the couch, (laughs) and I did not do anything else. I know, and I learned a lot, but I was going to say, and this is... um, It's something that I watched this week actually an interview with the cast and they were talking about the fact that and I didn't pick up on this actually. That This season was the theme was shame and that every single character in the season was exploring or resolving the idea of feeling ashamed of something or having behaved in a way that they were ashamed of um, and the repercussions of considering how your behavior affects other people and and then and also examining what you're ashamed of as an individual which I just thought was a really yeah that wasn't something that I picked up um when I was watching it and now reflecting on it because I think you know Gillian Anderson's character and her relationship with Jacob and bloody love Jacob, which I loved and they were so frustrating because it was just such a clear example of like They've led individual lives for so long. It's such a challenge to bring two very strong independent identities together at such a late point in someone's life and that it really becomes work to release your independence or or, or kind of like um, compromise your... Let someone in. Yeah, compromise your independence and allow someone to exist in your space. And it was clearly something that they were both struggling with in very very different ways so it wasn't Mm -hmm. a simple solution and then I also just the yeah again spoiler alert but like the relationship between Eric and Adam which just broke my heart because I think I think I personally identified with the the themes that they were going through even though they're two gay men in their Mm. late teens I'm putting air quotes (laughs) around that because the two men are like clearly (laughs) in their mid-20s um but I just thought that the way that they wrote those scenes about dealing with like talking about your emotional thoughts and talking about what you're ready for and what you want and the difficulties and I like even knowing yourself I thought was just so beautifully done mm. and yeah I cried every time that something happened between the two of
0: them (laughs) and two people who love each other so much but are in such different emotional places Mm -hmm. and that being the reason that it can't really work and that line that Eric says when they're breaking up which is like I feel like I'm learning I'm I'm ready to fly and you're barely learning how to walk because they're just at such different journeys with their sexuality and yeah I thought that was that's, I feel like that's the that's the most central mm-hmm. arc in the in this season and I loved how it was explored and just to go back to Gene Milburn and Jakob mm-hmm. the fact that they know each other so little at the point when they're deciding to have a baby together and the and then are going to couples therapy as two older middle-aged people and realizing that one of you is a therapist and the other person doesn't even believe in therapy and just how they discussed that as well I thought was really interesting yeah we could talk about basically every single storyline in it I thought was fantastically done and and well crafted I think it's been absolutely fantastic and it's definitely made me just reflect on not only how I approach relationships now but definitely how I was approaching relationships at that age and how I was feeling and Mm. I, I yeah I really think it's it's fantastic so that's yeah season
1: three. Mm, I just love it so much. What about what you're reading?
0: Oh, I have absolutely devoured this week and really enjoyed a little bit of a classic, actually. I sort of took a, took a little break from contemporary fiction and went uh, back to 1908 and A Room with a View by E.M. Forster. Um, oh. it, was lo- it was lovely. It was lovely. And I think that, so the reason that I picked it up was because it is referenced and tied in with the narrative of still life, which is probably one of my favourite reads of this year and something that I referenced in our first episode. And there are links with uh, the hotel that this group of travellers go to stay at and it's called the Pension Bertolini. And in still life, the hotel that they set up in Florence in the late 50s, early 60s is called the Pensione Bertolini as well, so all these lovely links. And, you know, being in Florence, being somewhere in Italy at a time when you're in lockdown and reading about that. But I just grinned ear to ear as I was reading about these sort of late Victorian era travelers there is a fantastic declaration of love and it's all very dramatic and delightful um which i think really does rival mr darcy and elizabeth bennett (sighs) and i definitely folded that page down and thoroughly enjoyed it so yeah it was just it was just (laughs) lovely to escape to a completely different time and a completely different place for a short 150 pages
1: oh that's that's a great sell 150 pages I know that that shouldn't be what I took from the lovely diatribe you just gave about that book I'm like oh but it sounds achievable
0: <laughs> but I think that's part of this period isn't it is like last record I was talking about how I liked the chair because it was done in 30 minute episodes or whatever and you know, our attention spans, that is something that's really taken a hit during the pandemic. And I think a lot of people are reading shorter books at the moment. And in fact, I just, I finished one novel yesterday and I've just picked up uh, A Room of One's Own. The, oh, um the Virginia, sort of Virginia, Wolf. Virginia Wolf. Yeah, which came from two talks that she gave. Um, and then it was mm-hmm. sort of extended out into this, into this book. But yeah, it's also like around a hundred mm-hmm. pages. So yeah, I've just been exploring the early 1900s really. And what have you been reading, Sasha?
1: Um... Poetry is always something that I have been very wary of. I've always thought it's slightly pretentious.
0: Oh, yeah. I am not a poetry person, yeah. which means I am all here for this recommendation. Yeah. To teach me something. Because I was
1: like, well, not even slightly pretentious. I've thought it's pretentious. And people who read poems, I've always, I've always been like, mm, but are you really enjoying it? Are you enjoying... The fact that you're going to bring this up and sound pseudo intellectual in the future, but anyway, my own my own personal struggles and um, prejudices against poetry aside, my brother has got really into poetry in the last few years and genuinely is thrilled about it and has really challenged this idea that I've held because he does really enthuse about it and 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 has brought to my has really brought out the ideas of how poetry and music intertwine and as someone who really enjoys music I feel that maybe I shouldn't be so steadfast Mm. in my belief of poetry and I should be a little bit more open to it so anyway I bought him this book as a birthday present last year and he loved it so much that I went out and bought it for myself because I thought oh there's something in this and it is The Fire of Joy by Clive James roughly 80 poems to get by heart and say aloud so they're 80 poems that he knew Clive James has now passed but in his lifetime knew off by heart and he's written a short essay about the context and the historical importance of the poem and then just his joy of the poem and like what the words mean to him and he's an excellent writer and it sounds really naff, but it's designed, poems are designed for you to read aloud. So I have been, this is a real reveal, I have been reading the essays and then reading the poems out loud to myself before I go to sleep.
0: <laughs> Sasha, thank you for sharing that though, because I was going to ask, have you been reading them aloud? Before you'd said the full title of the book, I was going to ask are you reading them aloud? I think one of the reasons I can't get into poetry and maybe people, other people will uh, re- relate to this is that because we now, very rarely do I ever read aloud, very rarely. And as a result, I'm so out of that habit that I wouldn't think to read poetry aloud. And I think in not doing so, you lose such a large part of poetry's enjoyment. You lose the rhythm and the rhythm is the main thing that I'm thinking <laughs> about actually what else are you losing but that I guess the intonation and where you're breathing which is all part of the rhythm of it and you're a much more musical person and I am <laughs> butchering this so please talk more about what you lose if you don't read aloud but and, and then also the fact that he obviously would have grown up Clive James would have grown up in a period where the education system has changed so much and for jolly good reason in most respects but something that you used to be taught a lot was things you'd learned by rote. so many things um, mm-hmm. including poetry and I yeah I think probably our parents generation is probably the last generation that could recite poetry in that mm. manner
1: and and I think um like most things in life it is a muscle you know the re uh, I've, I've got a terrible memory and I always struggled when I like when I was getting singing lessons when I was younger and you know um trying to perform things I always forgot lyrics but it was that thing that like once you'd started getting in the habit of doing your brain elasticity blah 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 I'm not a scientist but I did know that the more I tried to do it the better I would get at remembering things um so I do feel like there's a certain and I, I think it's Judy Dench that I've read memorizes a poem every day she said the art of memorizing scripts, if she doesn't practice memorizing words every day she's she said that as an actress like it's really important for her mind to keep remembering new things well look I just think aside from the rhythm I also think something I've been reflecting on lately is that the best that really excellent written work always works said out loud as well and delivered uh yeah delivered in the form that you know it originally would have been through storytelling and I think that was something I really learned when I was working in the UK at a radio station was this practice of um reading something back to yourself out loud after you've written it to make sure that it actually read and it wasn't just your eyes and your fingers like Mm -hmm. writing too quickly for your own brain and and so I've got a new appreciation because I think when he's obviously picked like 80 amazing poems as well they just work so well like dramatically they work so well so I think I'm just like really appreciating the theater um so yeah there's like dinner and a show at my house every night if you want to (laughs) um
0: come listen to me do (laughs) read some poems I'll bring the clothes to swap and Sasha will perform the poetry and we'll have a great time
1: (laughs) yeah and I think um I I also I think that's the other thing I I really enjoyed about school and it's why I think like texts like Pride and Prejudice or um oh, I can't think of it or you know um Macbeth or uh, I did Wuthering Heights you know those those things that you read in high school and then you analyze and take apart mm-hmm. and you look for themes and you and it's like once you've studied something in that great a depth it's impossible not to understand it and like these little mini essays that he does kind of feed into that as well I think And is so. there
0: one that's really stood out to you so far?
1: Oh, that's a good question. No, I'm actually enjoying them all for their own different uh, reasons. My brother did read one. The reason I went back and bought the book is there's one by Sylvia Plath called Cut about cutting a finger while you're preparing food in the kitchen. But the way that she's written it is almost like a war story about, you know, the, the blood and the mm. anguish and and it's just like quite a beautifully um crafted piece about you know the the micro it's it's kind of looking at it like a little microcosm like in this little world of the onion and your finger the the depth of the blood that's on the battlefield and anyway it's just quite a um it's so visceral the way that she writes it's just the imagery is just so potent and you kind of i remember when I first read it and my reaction being like, oh, and I just think it's amazing. Anytime someone creates a piece of art that it has you actually like physically kind of retract or go, oh, that's unpleasant. And I think Sylvia Plath, someone who we, you know, a bit like Virginia Woolf, we have like associations of it, her life being quite tumultuous, but it's just like a really perfectly crafted little uh, piece, I think.
0: Yeah. Oh. That's delightful. There you go. And have you been listening to anything that you've really enjoyed? Oh, I
1: have. I've been listening. I've got two recommendations for my listening. I've been listening to a lot of what I would deem feminist rap, which is basically Megan the Stallion. I just love their. There's one called Body that I just put it on, and you ju- you just want to dance. And there's another one by Doja Cat that's like, get into it, yeah. Like, that's the official title. Yeah, I just really enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) But my other recommendation is I listen to You're Wrong About, which is a podcast that I adore. There's an episode about the McDonald's coffee cup lawsuit. What I love about this podcast is it always challenges my preconceptions of – there's always something that I think, oh, maybe – Maybe I am wrong about it, <laughs> Maybe I'm incorrect, and I think like most of the time the premise of the show is pretty much like if you're open minded to being incorrect or you're open minded to being proven wrong, you're not gonna listen to it you know you know you're not gonna listen to this thinking like, "Well, there's no way I will be wrong like that's the whole idea, but I think the number i I obviously think of myself as an open minded person, and the number of times I listen to it and go, "Oh, I." I just assumed that was fact. And and the real backbone of this story, I thought, was, you know, we often malign social media as, like, you know, a bit of a forest fire of, like, what what's the saying? Like, a lie is halfway around the world while the truth is doing up its shoes. Um, mm.
0: I was going to say pulling up its yeah. pants,
1: but I don't know why that's.
0: <laughs> I think that might even be more accurate. But...
1: <laughs> we have this, like, false assumption as millennials that, Social media has been responsible for the demise of all of this. But actually listening to this and just hearing about like the complexity of how stuff was covered in newspapers and and then, you know, how late night show really the urban myth of this woman having um, sued McDonald's for her coffee being too hot, which is, you know, really how that headline most of us i think have learned about it as an urban myth and of course there's more complexity to the story she won a jury of people decided yeah. that she deserved the money i think we i thought the really crucial takeaway for me was that for some reason a lot of these law cases and and you be able to speak to this laurel we make this assumption when we disagree with the outcome that the jury must have been stupid or i think we forget the the fact that like for I don't know how many people are on a jury, but like 10 people put their lives on hold for many months on end to hear all the information about the case, to make an informed decision. And then when we don't like it, we think, well, they must all be idiots as opposed to thinking actually maybe in the five minutes of time that I've dedicated to learning about this, maybe I don't know all the facts (laughs) and maybe I'm wrong, (laughs) which I think is something that I've considered before, but I hadn't really... um, ruminated on for a long time so mm-hmm. I just listening to them point that out about this case which I really didn't feel very strongly about like I wasn't like how ridiculous I was like oh there must have been a reason that she sued and it turns out very good reason
0: yeah I think that so yeah there are lots of things I could say in response <laughs> to what you've just said but um yeah and, and in, I mean in terms of being on a jury and miss whether juries are misled and and that sort of thing Juries are given such narrow and specific questions to decide upon, and aren't given, even if they hear a sprawling, sprawling amount of evidence, what they actually have to take into consideration and use to make their decision, and how they make that decision is very specific and very narrow, and so the chances of that miscarriage obviously the justice system is flawed but should be, yeah yeah you know a jury of people saw pictures of this mm. woman and the burns that she suffered and I think a, a few jurors even came to the foreground after this case had happened and said look I saw the images of this woman and I think they're like readily available on the internet now and it was horrifying pretty horrifying what she had what she had suffered and yes there was like this one I have listened to this episode as well. And there was this one late night talk show host who was joking about it so much that her lawyer got in touch with mm. him and was like, please, please stop doing this. But I think this podcast is so good because it is incredibly well-researched. And what you realise as the listener is how many assumptions you bring to the things that you've absorbed mm. How many assumptions you're bringing to the things that you hear about and you learn about on a daily basis, and then also the amount of things that we absorb via cultural osmosis. So, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea that Americans just love to sue people, and suing people has gone mad, and the reason that you have a, a cardboard thing around your coffee cup is because of this woman who sued McDonald's, and actually none of that is correct or true. It just... They, in a fairly lighthearted manner, just managed to debunk all of that and will teach you Mm -hmm. something along the way. And I think it's great. The well-researched part
1: is a really crucial
0: note as well that you picked up on because... It's extensive, the amount of research. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think so many times, like, as as someone whose personality type is very much when I get interested in something or when I become obsessed with something, I dive in feet first and read everything... A lot of these style podcasts, when people haven't actually done their due diligence and read stuff, uh, I get really frustrated when they give you incorrect facts that I really like Google will get wrong. And and I just think like I really appreciate that they're always really on the money with their information. So what are you listening to
0: then now that I've waxed lyrical for that long about mine? <laughs> I'm going to recommend a specific episode of the backlisted podcast, which is another of many book related podcasts that I listen to. But what makes this one different (laughs) is that, well, their tagline is bringing new life to old books. So they specialize in older books. Now that can be 20 years old, 50 years old, and more. They usually have um, an expert on each episode and then there are two male hosts and they discuss it with her. The specific episode that I wanted to recommend was their summer reading episode where they've wrapped up everything that they've been enjoying over the last couple of months. They're based in the UK and what I loved about it as with A lot of their other episodes was I was made aware of books that I haven't been hearing about in most of the other podcasts that I'm listening to because they're really talking about what's just come out or what they're reading right now, which is usually related to what's sort of in the charts and circling around and various prizes and all of that kind of stuff. The only book that I had read was um, Deborah Levy's Real Estate, and it was just really nice to listen to that discussion of that book as well because I think she is phenomenal and yeah that it's great and it's probably yeah it's probably a bit like listening to two lecturers probably have a discussion about what they're reading one of them heads up a sort of crowdfunded publishing company and the other is an author I think so um yeah it's a slightly more academic book discussion I would say than some other podcasts but it's really they're really passionate about what they're doing and that always makes for a good listen
1: so yeah Fantastic. Oh, I'm really excited about that. Well, I think that's it for this week. So I'm just ticking through
0: in my mind. I'm like, yes, I've
1: said one of everything. Yeah, have we said everything? Always a pleasure, Laurel. Always a pleasure. We (laughs) are (laughs) virtual. Tell me where can people find out more information
0: if they would like to follow us um in between episodes. So people can follow us. The people, the audience, can the people people listening along at home, can (laughs) follow us on Instagram. We are at three wheeling pod. And you can also get in touch and email us any of your thoughts, questions, threewheelingpod at gmail.com. I'm fairly confident it's the email address.
1: I'm checking it as we speak. <laughs> threewheelingpod at gmail.com. Yeah, that's correct. Um, Well, until next time then. where can the people, the people, the many people, um,
0: ah.
1: okay. Thanks Laurel. I, oh God, I'm just so rehearsed and I'm having a complete breakdown. I'm my- like, <laughs>